Well, good morning, Access Church. How are we? Good to see you guys. I uh, want to give you a little insight today. Uh, I cannot hear anything out of my left ear. What? That's true. It is true. That's, I, and my right ear is not uh, my great ear. And yesterday, swimming, I don't know what happened. It got, you know, that feeling of having it clogged up, but it releases when you put some drops in it. I, I put a lot of those. Nothing worked. I tried all kinds of things. So I'll be going to the little clinic today because, uh, but it's a weird vibration and a weird feeling. So listen, if you've ever wanted to say something to my face and you just weren't sure, you know, go ahead today because it's all right. I'm not going to hear you anyway, and uh, and that that's fine. But uh, today, I was, Lisa was blow drying her hair, and I said, um, "This is," and I would say something. She'd say, "What?" And then she would say something. I'd say, "Huh." And I would say something, and she'd say, what? And I said, this is what it's going to be like when we're 80. And she said, what? And I said, this is what it's going to be like when we're 80. And she said, light and rainy? Light? I'm like, yes, this is what, never mind, whatever, whatever. And uh, so this is what I'm dealing with today. But uh, listen, today we're going to talk about surviving worry. And all of us from time to time worry about things. There are things that happen every day that we could potentially worry about, our health, our children, our job, our family, our finances, our future. And sometimes when we least expect it, something happens that causes extreme anxiety. Years ago, Lisa and I went to Walmart. We had only been married for a few years by then, and, and we didn't own a patio set, and most people want to buy a patio set. And so we were going to buy one, and we bought a table with six chairs and two lounge chairs. So as you can imagine, it was two very large boxes, and we had somebody come to get us, get it off of the shelf for us. We brought it through the line. They scanned us out. The little girl there helped us out, and then Justin came, and Justin came up to the uh, counter there, and he said, I'm here to help you load up your car, and you know, sometimes things just pop into my head, and I can't help. They just come out, and, and suddenly a thought came to my head. Let's have a little fun with Justin. And so I just said, Justin, I'm so glad that you came today because I was really unsure how I was going to get this into my pinto. And so I'm really thankful that you're here. And his eyes got really big, a big worried look on his face. And I said, do you think we'll be able to get it in there? And he said this very seriously. He said, well, what year is it? I mean, wait, like, did, they make, did they make big pintos one year? Did they make pinto trucks? I was like, what do you mean what year is it? It's a pinto. And uh, I let him sweat it out for a second. I watched the checkout girl look over at him. And she seemed to be thinking, I'm glad I'm the checkout girl, not in the load-up department. And, uh, and finally, well, we got it all loaded into our minivan. But what happens to all of us is that life happens. It happens sometimes unexpectedly. But, but oftentimes we find ourselves worrying about things that will never, ever happen. And today what I thought we'd do is start off by defining worry and talk about the difference between concern and worry because I do think there's a difference there. Webster's Dictionary says that worry is to trouble oneself or to fret, but I don't think Webster goes far enough. Worry is actually troubling, troubling oneself or fretting over something that you have little or no control over. In other words, for you to worry means that you think about something that might happen or something that has happened, but no matter how much you think about it or fret over it, the situation is not going to change. And there's a difference between concern and worry because concern focuses on probable difficulties and it results in action. Worry focuses on uncontrollable difficulties and results in no action. Worry is always asking what if. 
What if there's an earthquake? What if I get cancer? What if my son is in an accident? What if America is attacked? What if our company goes bankrupt? Worry frets but takes no action. Concern plans and then takes action. It's, that's why it's good to save for your children's education or to buy insurance or to invest wisely. That's good. But we're talking about today unhealthy worry, unhelpful worry that paralyzes so many today. And the Bible does have something to say about this. Jesus in Matthew chapter 6, and if you have your Bibles, you can turn there or you can look on the side screens. Jesus gives his very first sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. And in this, he's going to tell us about what to do with worry. We're going to talk today about what is worry? Why do we worry? Uh, we're going to talk about how do we deal with worry and what the problem with worry is. And in these verses, Jesus talks about what do we worry about? In his book, now for something totally different, Stuart Briscoe lists five things that Jesus said not to worry about. The first one is finances. In, in verse 19 of chapter 6, he says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. In other words, don't be anxious about your earthly possessions, but we do worry. What if the market has more weeks like it has? What if I can't pay off my credit cards? What if my car breaks down? What if interest rates skyrocket? What if my investments collapse? We worry about money. We worry about finances, but we have enough. Second, he says, don't worry about food. Verse 25, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink. We can easily understand why they worried back then in the first century because they may not know where their next meal was going to come from. But here today, we worry about food, even with food in abundance. We say, well, I can't eat that. It's got too much cholesterol or too much fat, too many calories. Don't eat sugar. It's bad for you. Watch out for saccharin. It causes cancer. Take it easy on the salt. It causes blood pressure. Too much red meat isn't healthy for you. On and on and on it goes. Again, we're not talking about concern. It's okay to be concerned. It's okay to plan. It's okay to watch what you eat. But I'm talking about unhealthy habits and unhealthy worry. Same thing with fashion. The Bible says, Jesus said, don't worry. Or, I mean, rather, about fitness. I'm sorry, about fitness. Jesus said, don't worry about your body. Now, the Bible says the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. It also says that there is some value in physical exercise. But what he's talking about here is that unhealthy self-image. He's talking about being obsessed with those things, being consumed with your body, where your priorities are out of balance. When you spend several hours a day focused on the body, but very little focused on the spiritual life. Fourth, about fashion. Verse 28, he says, don't worry about clothes. There are people in the first century who worried about clothes because they might only have one outfit or two outfits. And if one of them tore or one of them got dirty, what would they do? But today we have an abundance of clothing. But today we worry about does it look right? Does it fit properly? That isn't my color since I'm a winter. Does it clash with my shoes? And today some of you might think, Stephen's wearing flip-flops. Is that appropriate for a pastor to wear flip-flops? And I want you to know, these are my good flip-flops, okay? <laughs> these are my good ones, okay? These are Dockers. They're really high quality, all right? What, we worry about fashion. Finally, he says, don't worry about the future. 
Matthew 6, 27 says, Who of you by worrying can add one hour to his life? The fear of dying holds a lot of people in bondage. But even more than the fear of dying, people worry about aging. And they say, oh no, I'm going to worry about what I'm going to look like. And I'm going to worry about the wrinkles that I have or the gray hair. And, and so therefore, we do things to try to alter our appearance. I remember when I was in eighth grade at Mount Healthy South Junior High School, we had a, a, a teacher there named Mr. Bayless. Mr. Bayless was an old crotchety guy, and uh, he was all wrinkled up, and he's, you know, he's real squinty, and, and uh, he would go out and on smoke breaks all the time. He'd come back in, real raspy voice. But one day, I'll never forget him. Mean, it was a really interesting class. Uh, he did, by the way, we swat, he swatted back then, okay? And I was swatted. Uh, just to let you know, I don't even remember what I did, but I was swatted by Mr. Bayless. He also would swat students who were A students, the guys, because he thought they needed to be more humble, all right? That's just what he would do. This is absolutely true. But Mr. Bayless, one day, I will never forget, in a history class, went around the class, and to every student, he would go to them and say something like this, you're going to get crow's feet when you're old. Squint your eyes. I'm telling you, I can see them already right now. He was like, your, your brow is going to be all furrowed. You're going to have horrible bags under your eyes. He'd go around the whole class. You know, little girls are crying. It was just terrible, you know? <laughs> but people are worried about what they will look like. Paul Harvey once told of a man who put braces on his false teeth just to look younger. It's incredible. The very things Jesus said don't worry about are the things that cause anxiety in us. And I want to be clear, none of those things are wrong in and of themselves. I mean, obviously we work out and do CrossFit or I plan my investments. I occasionally watch what I eat. And the key in these verses is not those five things. The key is the phrase that Jesus gives us in verse 25, do not worry. Now, what's the problem with worry? Well, worry is ineffective. It never accomplishes anything. It never solves anything. At the very heart of the definition of worry is that no matter how much you stew over something, no matter how many hours you shed or tears you shed over it, it's not going to get any better. It's like racing your car engine but never putting it into drive. You're just wasting a lot of energy and a lot of gas and causing a whole lot of smoke and pollution. And when people worry, that's what they do. They're ineffective, but they spend their wheels and their time worrying and their energy about things that will never happen. I read that an average person's anxiety is focused on 40% things that will never happen, 30% things about the past that they can't be changed anyway, 12% about things that people criticize them about, and mostly they're untrue, 10% about your health, and 8% about problems that do need to be faced. 8% of the things that we worry about are things that you can actually do something about. Worry never solves a problem. Worry can't change the past, although we worry about it. Worry can't control the future, although we worry about it. Worry only makes today miserable. The second thing, and this may surprise you, is that worry is a sin. How do I know that? Jesus, three times in this passage, gives a command, do not worry. And a command of Jesus, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And so when he says, I'm going to give you a command, do not worry. For us to worry is basically saying, God, you're not in control, we're in control. And we worry. It damages our mental health. It damages our physical health. Medications for nervousness and anxiety are being prescribed at an alarming weight. Jesus said, that's not good for you. 
So I'm going to tell you, do not worry. Verse 28 says, Jesus said, if, if this is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O oh, you of little faith? And that phrase, O oh, you of little faith, really captures the problem with worry. Worry is a form of doubt. The root of worry is a doubt that God is not in control, that God will not take care of the future. And people worry, who worry have a hard time in just trusting God and just believing that, God, I'm going to cast my anxiety on you because you do care for me. That's what makes worry a sin. It accuses God of being a liar. God says, I'll meet all your needs according to my riches in Christ Jesus. Where he says, I don't believe, believe you'll supply my needs. God promises in his word, all things God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. Where he says, I don't believe that's going to work out for my good. God says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He will make your path straight. Where he says, I don't believe God will direct my future. God says, I'm with you always. Where he says, I'm all alone. Worry is a sin. Number three, worry actually adds to the problem. Uh, verse 34 says, Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. People who worry often erroneously believe that if they worry, somehow the situation is going to improve. But the opposite is true. Worry makes the problem worse. Worry exaggerates our problems. Worry makes mountains out of molehill. Worry makes the problem bigger and bigger and bigger. And have you ever noticed the more you dwell on something, the more you think about it, the, the more that you can't sleep because of that problem, the more that it affects your body, the more it affects your mind. To worry about something you can't change is useless. So how do we overcome it? What does the Bible say? What does Jesus say about how do we overcome worry in our life? Well, we know worry is a problem, and we know we need to get rid of it. The State Journal Register of Springfield, Illinois, told about a fishing boat that sank in rough, cold waters off of Vancouver Island, left two men in a life raft tied to the sinking boat by a nylon rope. Neither of the guys in the life raft had a knife, so what would they do? When the boat goes down, they're going to go down. And so over the next hour, those two individuals took turns chewing through the rope, and minutes before the boat sank, they finally chewed through the rope, the boat sank, and the men were saved. Amazing. Worry is like a weight that threatens to pull us down. And we have to learn, how do we overcome this? And the first thing I would say is just very simple, and you may not believe it when I say this, but decide not to worry. Decide not to worry. That sounds so basic, but it is so important. Every step in life that you ever take will always start in your mind. It will always start with you believing that it can actually happen. And when Jesus said and commanded, do not worry, I want to tell you guys this. Jesus will never command you to do something that is impossible to do. Do you believe that? He's never going to make a command on you that you cannot accomplish through him. So you have to start believing it. Uh, I, I've decided there's two uh, types of people in the world, those who love to run and those who hate to run. All right? How many of you are in the I love to run category? Would you raise your hand? About three of you. All right, amen. How many of you are in the I hate to run category? All right, a lot of you. Some of you guys didn't want to speak up. You're embarrassed. You're worried. You think that maybe somebody's looking down on you. I don't know. But uh, months ago, this is literally true. I've told several people this story, but 
there was a guy that was working out with us over here, and he was a former Italian from Italy, special forces guy. He's a little bit older than me. He's in real good shape, and you know, he got this long hair. And uh, after a workout one day, we're we're running a mile together, and. Uh, and we start taking off, and he's running, and I'm running. And I actually say out loud, you know what? I hate running. And he goes, oh, it's no big deal. It's no problem. I go, what? It's like, that's my Italian accent right there. He goes, it's no problem. Like, let's eat pasta. I don't know. But anyway, so we're running. And it's like, uh, it says, don't worry, no problem. He said, it's, it's fine. You should like running. I said, no, I hate running. So we run. Here's what happened on that run. One mile. That's all it was. One mile. He crushed it. I stopped four times. I was so tired. I get back, I'm like, I hate running. I hate running. But here's what happened. It was sort of a cathartic moment for me. I'd said in my mind, you know what? I got to change my attitude. And I need to start telling myself, I love to run. And so here's what would happen. We would have a workout. And after everybody's all dead and laid out there, I'd get up off the mat. And I'd be like, I'm going to go run. And I would run an 800, or I'd run a mile. And the whole time, every negative thought that came to me, you hate running. I'm like, no, out, 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 you know, out, devil. I'd be like, no, I love running. I love running. Then I'd go home later. I'd say, Jason, would you like to run? He'd say, yeah, let's go run. And he's killing me. He's so much faster than I am. But the whole time, I'm thinking, I love running with my kids. Because you know why? Because it's a beautiful day. And I love running. And it's great. And here's what's happened. This is literally the case. Not only did I become a better runner, I became a better athlete. And it all started in my mind. Now, I'm not one of these just go think it and believe it kind of guys, but I am telling you this, that those of you who believe today, I can do nothing about my worry, you are exactly right. You have to think and believe and know that if Jesus said, do not worry, it's possible. You have to believe it in your mind. There is no pill that will make you stop worrying. There is no book or tape that will make you stop worrying. There is no big spiritual experience, bam, and you'll never worry again. But you have to, in your mind, say, I believe, I believe that I can stop worrying. Number two, trust in God. Verse 26 says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? In verse 32 later, it says, Your heavenly Father knows you need them. Jesus said, Look at the birds. They collect enough food for the day, they eat, and then at night they sleep peacefully. They aren't worried about whether or not there'll be food in the morning. They're, just, they're not taking any birdie valium to try to calm themselves down. They're just ready to go. The next day, they're ready to go. And they were created to trust God and His endless supply. And birds do two things that we do well to emulate. They trust God to supply their need, and they work hard to assist them. Birds don't sit in the nest all day and expect God to just drop food in their nest. Early in the morning, they start looking, they start gathering. Birds trust, but they are diligent in searching for their needs to be supplied. Trusting God does not mean laziness. It does not mean indifference. It, is, it just means simply realizing that God indeed loves you. And, and we've all seen that. He's brought you this far. He's provided that food. He's provided that housing. And even in those moments when you thought, I don't know where it's going to come from, God has provided. And so it's time to trust Him. God demonstrated His care for the children of Israel in one spectacular miracle after another, the plagues of Egypt, the pillar of fire, the cloud to lead them, the parting of the Red Sea, the water from a rock, the voice from Mount Sinai, daily manna to eat. 
But when God commanded them to take uh, the promised land, the Israelites were overcome with worry and anxiety. Said the people there are like giants. We are like grasshoppers. And here's what the Bible says. The anger of God burned against them. Why? Because he had given them so much, and yet they still didn't trust the Lord. And I would ask you the same. Has God not given you so much? Has God not supplied your needs for so many years? When do we become mature enough to to conclude that his word is actually true, that he will supply our every need according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus? I love the plaque that reads, Lord, help me to remember that nothing's going to happen to me today that you and I can't handle together. Number three, think about eternity. Verse 28 says, and why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spend, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like these. And if that's how God clothes the lilies of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? Jesus said, look at the grass. Look at the lilies. Look at the flowers. And they're gone tomorrow, yet God cares for them. And yet you're you, you have the opportunity to have eternity with him. Do you not think that God cares for you more than those? And if a person knew that his house was going to burn down tomorrow, do you think he would spend time waxing the floors, straightening the, paint, the pictures, painting the walls? Or would he just say, you know what? I know that I'm here for a different place. And the Bible says this world is not our home. One day this world's going to be consumed with fire. And our focus should not be on the things that are here, but on the things that are eternal. As, as Paul writes, fix your eyes on not what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, what is unseen is eternal. Over 100 years from now, it's not going to matter much that you were five pounds overweight, or that your child didn't make the first team, or that your wife put a dent in the fender of your new car, or whether people thought your tie didn't match your jacket, or whether you can't hear out of your left ear. The things that will be important 100 years from now will be matters of the heart. Character, generosity, wisdom, gentleness, kindness, faithfulness. And here's the thing. Worry robs the very things that I just talked about. You can't be worried and be patient at the same time. You can't be worried and then focus on being kind or generous to somebody else at the same time. It's nearly impossible. A preacher related that he stopped by and picked up a hitchhiker while traveling out of town. It was back in the late 60s. This guy was a stranger, a bit of a hippie guy. And, and uh, he came, the driver, the preacher was driving, and, and there was an unexpected turn. And he was getting frustrated with the loss of time and inconvenience. And the guy in his passenger seat, the hitchhiker, just said, oh, man, don't sweat the small stuff. And the preacher said that kind of became a motto for him over the years. Oh, man, don't sweat the small stuff. And you know what he learned? Almost everything in this life is small stuff. Almost everything. Compared to the things of eternity, it's not worth worrying about. Somebody said the shortest distance between two points is always under construction. And, and listen, things aren't going to go smoothly, and, and um, you just need to expect it. That's one of the reasons why we come in here and worship regularly. I, I need to remember this life is not about all the chaos out there. It's about the fact that God loves me, God loves you. And so we come into worship and we're reminded that, boy, this life is a whole lot more than food and clothing and things like this. It's, it's, it's a realigning our priorities to godly priorities. It's seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. That's why we're here, to be reminded that God's in control. And number four, that means we do keep our priorities in order. Matthew 6.33 says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. 
This verse says, if you want to survive worry, you have to know your priorities. We're to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Then the things of the world will be added to you. A Christian's priorities are God first, then people with a special emphasis on family, and then job, and then self. And when one keeps these priorities in order, God promises to supply every need. But worry inverts those priorities. The job becomes more important than family. Self becomes more important than serving others. And as a result, our responsibilities seem greater and our resources are depleted and they're sapped by anxiety. But when you trust God, you keep your priorities in order. And we don't just say it, we do it. We go to church every Sunday. Why? Even though it would be nice to have a weekend with the family on the lake, why do we do it? Because God comes first. We tell the truth even though it would be to maybe your financial advantage to lie. Others matter more than self. We put our work aside. We listen to a spouse or a child who wants to talk. Family matters more than job. And when you keep your priorities like that, God first, and then people and others, God supplies the things that you need. When you invert those priorities, it causes worry and undue anxiety. The last thing I would say is just take one day at a time. Take one day at a time. Matthew 6, 34, Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. The word was, the, God was so practical. He didn't say you're not going to have any trouble. He said each day already has enough trouble of its own. And guys, listen, you never know what's going to happen. And so no matter what happens, just relax and roll with it. This morning, we had one in first hour. Some of you heard about it, actually. I was right in the middle of a message, and, and somebody came into the worship service right back here through the back door, flashing lights. I won't give you his name because that would be inappropriate, but he was handing out popcorn to everybody. And, uh, I mean, it was like, it was crazy, right? And, uh, and just came in here flashing lights. And here's what I love about this story. I had two thoughts. I was right in the middle of the sermon. I had two thoughts in that moment. Number one, where's our security team? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Number two, I thought, I wish Josh was in the room right now because he would really, we're going to have to debrief on this a bit, all right? And um, the third thought I had was, I'm going to have to give this individual Josh's sermon schedule, because this seems to always happen on my weekend. But anyway, so when this is going on, you know, I'm right in the middle of the message, it might get easy to be, oh, I'm frustrated, everybody's so distracted. It's my birthday, he said. Okay, well, sing happy birthday. Hmm, Let me try that. He did that, and. I said, listen, next time, come a little bit earlier. Come between services might be a good thing to do, you know, so that we just don't come in the middle of the worship service. One other thing I love is, by the way, he happened to walk right by our worship team. It was right back up by the coffee pot. They said, oh, look at that. How fun that is, popcorn and all hanging off his hat and everything. This is going to be great. I mean, it's just amazing. He'll just come back here and sit in there. Oh, no, sure enough, the door clicked. Click that door right there. They say, oh, no. And Rob immediately goes, oh, I got to see how Stephen's going to handle this. You know, there was no stopping him. Just let him right on in. We have quite a lot of debriefing to do this week at staff meeting. Amen. Amen. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I tell you what, guys. Things are going to happen. Big things. Flashy things. Small things. You have to know, no matter what happens, that it's okay, that God's in control, that in his time, that God has this way of just working things out. Jesus said one time, every day has enough trouble of its own. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You don't know what, what distraction is going to come your way. You don't know what 
problems are going to happen. I say, you don't worry about it. Bad things do happen in the world. Tragedies happen to Christian people. Our parents get Alzheimer's. Our children have accidents. Our health breaks. Our companies go bankrupt. Jesus said each day is going to have enough trouble of its own. We're not promised exemption from problems. In fact, we're not even promised tomorrow. So don't worry. Trust the Lord. Corey Ten Boom learned one time that a friend of hers had been persecuted for her faith in Christ. And Corey was terrified. She said to her father, I will never be able to stand up under persecution for my faith. I can't take it. Her father said, oh, yes, you can. If God allows you to be persecuted for his sake, you will be able to do it. I just don't think I'm strong enough, she said. Her father said, Corey, do you remember when you were a little girl and I took you to the train station? When did I give you the ticket for the train? He said, remember how I waited until just before we boarded the train and then I handed you the ticket. Here's what you don't know, Corey. I had it in my pocket all along, but I waited to give it to you only when you needed it. God will give you the resources that you need when the time comes. How many of you believe that God's a good God? Amen. And we believe that because he has our best interest in mind. We believe that because we have experienced that in this life. And, And friends, listen, if you believe that, then you have to know that God's got that ticket in his pocket the whole time. You have to know that God has what you need ahead of time. And some of you might say, yeah, but why doesn't he give it to me way in advance? That sure would be helpful. Why doesn't he answer that prayer way in advance? Why doesn't he give me that job, uh, answer to my job situation way in advance? Why doesn't he get me out of this financial situation way in advance? And I would tell you that's because if he gave it to you so much earlier, you would never actually trust that it was God who did it. You would think it was you. You would think that somehow in your creativity, your ingenuity, that you got that taken care of and you don't even need God. But when God shows up, and it just seems like he's never late, but he's certainly never early, he's right on time. And when he shows up right on time, that gives you the opportunity to say, God, I prayed about it, and at just the right moment, you showed up. And I'm thankful. Trust the Lord. Some of you guys today, the message, you're like, I don't worry. I don't worry. I'm not talking about being laid back today, by the way. I'm talking about following the scripture. Some of you are type A personalities, but you don't worry because you have faith in the Lord. Some of you may be relaxed in other areas, but you're really dealing with worry. And I'm just saying today, why don't we just step back and go, God, God, we trust you. We trust you. We trust your goodness. We trust your timing. And we trust that you know best. God, we love you. Thank you for today. Thank you for the ability today, God, just to deal with whatever happens today. Whether good or bad, whether a problem or a success, you give us the ability, God, today, the strength that we need to deal with whatever we need to deal with today. So God, help us to trust in you and help us to continue to love you. And God, we thank you for your word that encourages us. And we pray this together in Jesus' name. Stand with us as we as we sing out this morning.